coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. When the math's not adding up, you said I'm checking out. I'm just Welcome to the ground. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard, at P.A. Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. What 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 up? What what's new with you? Um, this week I'm actually trying to record uh, the recording of this in a meta kind of landscape. Um, uh, to put it on YouTube because I don't know. I I just thought it'd be interesting, especially since this week I'm kind of making a confession and I couldn't decide if it should be a YouTube video or a podcast. You know, for a guy that no one knows, I, I got a lot of outlets. So. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Um, this week is a confession about the way I found myself drafting both in best ball and in dynasty and just overall in 2021. Uh, we could even mention the Scott Fishball. Um, especially this year, because the zero RB debate seems to be back. Every time there's a particularly good year to draft zero RB, the following year seems to be full, or my timeline seems to be full of, uh, sarcastic tweets about why why we just learned that zero RB is terrible, almost in a "if I say it didn't work, it didn't work" manner, which is kind of frustrating because zero RB has proven to be an effective strategy. It's the only one that really has been sketched out as a strategy and that has researched and proof in the pudding, and it seems to be the most winning strategy according to TJ Hernandez. And um, when we go and break down rosters that win and don't in best ball, for example, and last year we had an extraordinarily um large number of points coming from outside uh, the top 24 drafted running backs. One of the top 12 running backs this year was uh, Derek Henry, who was drafted outside the top 12. Just a quick note from Edit Pete here. Edit Pete? Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Um, Derek Henry was drafted as the running back 12, and my mind has so many holes in it, but either way, he wasn't drafted outside the top 12. However, David Montgomery, Aaron Jones, James Robinson, Kareem Hunt, and Mike Davis, who all finished in the top 12 to various degrees of success, um, were drafted outside the top 12. In fact, David Montgomery was drafted as running back 22, Aaron Jones was drafted as running back 716, um which is weird because I just drafted him as a running back 16 in Scott Fishbowl. So there you go. James Robinson obviously went undrafted in Mo- in Dynasty League um, Football ADP that year, and Mike Davis um, was also undrafted that year, according to Dynasty League Football ADP. So for the top 12 drafted outside the top 12, in fact, outside the top 20, and two are undrafted. Thanks. <laughs> Um, is also James Robinson, who is an undrafted free agent, which is an incredibly rare feat, and we should all love James Robinson, even if he's now been, you know, effectively replaced by the team by Travis Etienne. I said it right th- that time. That's That must be the double pressure of the double recording. So, 
yeah, besides besides uh, feeling like I'm getting gaslit on what happened in, in the year of uh, football 2020, um, I've ended up having to do a lot of soul-searching because looking at the draft board repeatedly over the last two years, um, we have consistently been drafting wide receivers lower and lower. Now, uh, to put this in perspective, in 2020, um, pretty much... I, I, I I've developed a, a formula that predicts points per game based on a player's draft capital and draft position. Essentially, it just went and looked up the average points per game uh, for players drafted at a certain ADP over the last, well, since 2014, and then use that information to create a predicted points per game based on ADP. So it's an interesting way of seeing ADP. It's essentially the points we're expecting based on what we're spending on them per ADP um, in Dynasty League football's uh Ryan McDowell's inspired um ADP charts. Now, I also did this for redraft. I get my redraft ADP from FF Calculator or Fantasy Football Calculator. I can't remember the exact web address, but if you Google that, you find the website and that's public redraft ADP. It's actually got a pretty good history going back further than 2014. Um and I strongly recommend the site just because it's a public source of ADP for redraft or more mainstream leagues. I asked a few of my nerd friends about it and they said, yeah, I mean it's not sleeper, and I know sleeper's ADP handed out like loose candy thrown on the ground to children um, in, in a PDF or whatever they're throwing out, a CVS file every week per their Twitter account is a popular thing, but Sleeper isn't exactly uh, the authority on ADP, and also we can't see how that ADP is being made. I just I just don't want to include a whole bunch of new IDs in my system, basically. So instead, I'm using FF Calculator, and I asked my nerd friends about it, and they said they're basically creating ADP for a longer period of time uh, in the same way most of us are trying to do it, by scraping the right kind of leagues from MFL or wherever they're getting it from and creating a reasonable average. And so they said it was uh, a fairly effective uh, or useful ADP for when putting it into the word redraft now i know that's kind of an appeal to authority my nerd friends say but they're the only people i really have to ask about the quality of data that requires coding to actually get access to and understand they say ff calculator is uh, pretty much as good as if i just uh, force ryan mcdowell oh sorry um force kevin o'brien the ff engineer or someone else to do it all manually from scratch or andy eskridge's new site the ff workshop he's currently developing his own site that's being used heavily for the scott fishbowl um and the Apparently, FF Calculator is doing a similar process to get ADP. And again, it goes back a little bit further because the site's been up longer. So don't know why I'm talking about so much about FF Calculator, but there it is. Plus, she says I'm really talking about Dynasty ADP debate. Yeah, that was a mistake. Anyway, so using that, um, I was just looking for values because Sam Wallace from Rotoviz has been writing some articles that he does every year about three running backs or three wide receivers that are either undervalued or that you should buy high on in separate articles. And I thought that was very actionable, interesting content, especially as closer we get to the season, the less interested, if they ever were, people are going to get in my typical form of article, which is a long in-depth research um, piece that takes me months to write and uh, basically tells us something underlying that is true or is the standard or is the average for question X, like do vacated targets matter? Um, do wide receivers produce running backs at a certain point? When do wide receivers break out? That's my typical kind of article subject, but uh, outside of the season. But the closer we get to the season, the more relevant 
um, or the more actionable, I think, the articles people are interested in. And so I told Sam I wanted to steal his idea, basically. And Sam was like, no, don't do that. I hate you. Uh, don't come near me. Don't talk to me. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, Sam jumped in my DMs and was immediately epically nice and, in fact, challenged me, forced me. He, in fact, uh, threatened me if I didn't do it. No, he didn't do any of those things either. He was very encouraging and said he would love to see what I would come up with. He's sickeningly nice, by the way. It's weird. Anyway, it actually reminded me, not, not to name drop uh, all, all these uh, incredibly famous people, but Addison Hayes, when he first got his, got started um, doing videos, and no, he's now the king of the DLF YouTube channel, but um, King, Czar, one or the other, um, he used to do videos uh, that streamed to Twitter through Periscope by he would he was filming himself on his phone, okay, uh, and in order to show what he was talking about, he would point his phone at his PC screen. And this wasn't that long ago, but even at the time, I found it adorable because he couldn't figure out how to show the screen and himself at the same time, or vice versa. And so he would literally film his screen. And this was back when he was building the FS Statistics website, which has now been swallowed up or bought by Incorporated into DLF itself. And that's why Addison Hayes is over there at DLF, presumably. Also, he kind of likes it there, I guess. But he was showing his website and he was talking about how you could download his data and you just click a little button and it downloaded this history of running back and wide receiver and tight end statistics going all the way back to 2000 because of his special coding abilities. Uh, and I jumped in the live stream because I thought it was pretty neat that he was trying to put out uh, content and, do, and, you know, creating a whole app and website where you could get data. And I was trying to tease him like, I'm going to steal your data. And Addison was like, I want you to steal my data, man. And I was like, I'm stealing it right now. I'm like, you are literally in the middle of being stolen from while you're talking to me. And he was like, I want you to take it. It's not theft if I'm giving it to you. It's like, nah, I'm stealing it. And I realized that the teasing had, like, at a certain point, I actually had to do what I was saying. And so I ended up downloading all of his data and combining it into one big database. And that's literally where the start of my NFL database came from. Coincidentally, Addison Hayes is now selling a database. It's actually only a dollar or however much you can pay. And it goes straight to uh, the Scott Fishbowl charities because he's selling Scott Fish a Scott Fishbowl database. It's something I use to build my draft board for the Scott Fishbowl, where I'm tracking my draft and I look for values that might be falling so that I don't make a complete fall on myself uh, in the Nirvana division because there's a lot of sharp fish in there. So um, anyway, but it's not just got Scott Fishbowl scoring in there. It's got all the stats, PPR, standard, half-point PPR. It's even got first downs, which is original uh, iteration of databases didn't have. Um, but uh, I realize now, like, if his initial uh, phone video hadn't encouraged me to start building my own NFL database using his data, data as a starting point, and then eventually I've built the one I have now, um, if I hadn't already done that, if you just get that Scott Fishbowl uh, database and just ignore the Scott Fishbowl stuff and concentrate on all the other stats, literally it's got all of them all the way back to 2000 for every position, then I wouldn't have even had to combine and go through the hard work of creating my own initial one because he's basically done it for you for the price of a dollar or however much you want to pay. The reason I was being reminded of that is because I, I was trying to tease... Addison Hayes, and I ended up creating an NFL database, which is, you know, still a full, like, I can't, I can't really explain how much, uh, of my own personal life, um, that now takes up, but, 
Um, I was teasing Sam Wallace that I was going to steal his ideas, and now I feel compelled that I have to steal his ideas, which is what brings me to doing something a lot less cool than Sam did, which was look through the various ranks and uh, pieces of information and use Rotoviz apps to try and find values. And instead, I was like, I wonder if I could create a cheap, hacky formula that just presented who was a value based on ADP. So that brings us back to my subject and my confession this uh, this fine morning. It's afternoon. It's afternoon. It's definitely the afternoon. So, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. Um, So, I created this expected points per game formula based on ADP, but it just didn't look quite right. I couldn't make it create a value list, essentially because I was trying to look through my sophomore model. I was trying to look through expected points per game or points per game the previous years, and there's some interesting facts and information there was something that I've actually incorporated in another article I'm trying to make actual and interesting for the 2021 season for DLF which is third year breakout wide receivers did you know as a segue the highest breakout year for players to break into the top 12 as in the top 12 in PPR scoring is actually year three there's about a 10% difference in that like 5% of players or less break into the top 12 in their first year about 20 to 29% of those who break out into the top 12 happened in year two and year two is still by far the best breakout year and the highest quality of players overall if you're looking at a group and and in year three around about 30 to 32 percent of players actually break into the top 12 and ppr scoring ever and um, between 2009 and 2017 to give the other classes time to actually play three years and um, happens in year three so it's actually the most common breakout year for a top 12 breakout which is not normally where I'm normally looking at top 24 breakouts and so I really hadn't noticed of this escalation you get increasingly likely in some ways to break into the top 12 as you progress through those first three years of your career obviously after you get after year three uh, the the rate drops off a cliff there are very few breakouts after year three in general and that's true of top 12 seasons as well so I'm trying to write that article um, and talk about the potential top three uh, third year breakout candidates for DLF as well. All right, where was I coming to? Oh yeah, either way, um, I couldn't quite make it make a value list and I noticed something interesting in the trend which was that wide receivers in the top 12 were perpetually being projected for fewer and fewer points per game. So I went back and I looked at the points per game between 2014 and 2017 and then all the way up into 2020 and I didn't find a drop off. In fact, there's been an escalation over the last three years both in terms of NFL offenses and in terms um, of wide receiver scoring that we actually see an increase um, in production uh, through the top 12 especially um, in that over the last three years we've seen a continued escalation both in terms of receiving efficiency and also in terms of the number of touchdowns scored um, but for as a league actually overall which is something I was talking about last week as well all right so and why were we projecting players, or why is ADP projecting players for fewer, fewer points per game inside the top 12 of wide receiver when the trend was actually for scoring to increase? Or in fact, the average is fairly consistent since 2009 and since 2014, uh, since 2014 as well. So what was going on? Well, the simple answer that you probably already got to, uh, and it took me a second to realize it myself, is that we are perpetually drafting wide receivers at a lower and lower rate to the point that last year, pretty much all of the top 24 drafted wide receivers looked like values, which is why I was made, why it was getting difficult to try and use straight-up scoring or expected points per game to find or highlight values um, in the ADP. In 2020, 
almost every wide receiver drafted in the top 24 was actually drafted significantly below the average ADP of players drafted that position rank. So what does that mean? Um, the wide receiver one, on average, um, since 2014, has been drafted um, at an ADP of 3.5. Now, that's an average, means a third pick off the board, obviously, essentially. Um, but in 2020, Michael Thomas was being drafted at an ADP of 5.7. And that's consistently true through wide receiver 1 to wide receiver 12 in 2020. The same is true, but in, to an even more exaggerated extent in 2021. To the point that by the time you get to wide receiver 11 and 12, we're drafting them 12 to 13 spots or points in ADP below the average since 2014. To clear that up into an actual sentence, we're drafting Terry McLaurin and Michael Thomas around further down than we have historically been drafting the wide receivers the 11 and 12 they are around cheaper than they should be and that's based on the average since 2014 now that doesn't necessarily affect the expected points per game calculation because it's based off the points per game projected by ADB within the same time frame. But what it was highlighting is that wide receivers were coming at a cheaper and cheaper cost. So what does this all mean? Essentially, every wide receiver coming off the board within the first 10 rounds is being drafted at a value based on historic ADP. All of them. The problem with wide receiver values in 2021 is that every wide receiver is being drafted at a value because we've increased the ADP of running backs so high at this point that we are drafting the wide receiver 11 and 12 per June ADP, I should point out, after the running back 20. Now, does the running back 20 outscore top 12 wide receivers? He, he, he does not, but the idea is there is a an extra value added to running back points per game because they are harder to replace and they're a difference-making fantasy asset in an individual season. The running back 20 right now, for example, is Javante Williams. I'm pretty sure I remember that, right? So, um, what we're doing is not only betting that he can produce in year one and produce less than a top 12 wide receiver, but more valuable points because he's playing at the running back position, but also that he has a future and therefore have higher value. Value is always a thing we have to layer into ADP and layer into our opinions on ADP. Anyway, I'll point out that the wide receiver 12 actually outscores every running back outside the running back 12, looking at an average since 2017 in points per game. And wide receivers are more likely to have a longer career and we are more accurate in the top 12. Those are the edges I've been talking through about over the last three weeks that ADP doesn't reflect that we can take advantage of. Now, this time last year, I actually noticed this um, through a different lens as well, and I was talking about overdrafting running backs and suggesting that despite projected difficulties for the offense in 2020, we should actually be targeting wide receivers in ADP because they were all falling to a value. Now, if you targeted the receiving game or the rushing game or any offensive production, honestly, in 2020, because you didn't buy into the idea that production would be down because defenses weren't able to be prepared and practiced together before the season, then you benefit. And in fact, we saw an explosion in both running back and uh, wide receiver production in 2020 to the point we're now expecting pretty hard regression back to the mean. That doesn't mean there won't be top 12 players, or we won't continue the last three years of actually being effectively productive through the receiving game, but it does mean that we should expect somewhat of a disappointment for the majority of projections go, uh, when we're comparing to the 2020 season at least, because defenses are going to be more prepared. We don't know 
if referees are going to call more uh, offensive holding and other challenges that were uh, significantly down last year, benefiting wide receivers and also quarterbacks, um, and apparently running backs because they're scoring through the roof as well. Um, but it does mean that these values in 2021 continue to be an edge in ADP, especially considering in Dynasty they're more likely to hold value for a longer period of time and actually produce more fantasy seasons that are significant to us over the next three, four, and five years. All right, so what's the confession? The confession is I feel no compulsion to draft 0RB this year. It's definitely still a viable strategy, and so far, as far as I know, the only 0 strategy that actually is a strategy that's been sketched out, studied, and has actual data to back up its win rate and everything else, instead of basically the equivalent of, oh yeah, I'm going to do the opposite, which was what Robust RB was last year. Like, that, that was... That that was the strategy. That was the full article. Oh yeah, I'm going to do the opposite. There is no strategy behind Robust RB. It's just I'm going to do the opposite. In the same way that uh, like Hero RB, as Anthony Amico says on Twitter, the difference between, Anthony Ami- uh, between Hero RB and Modified Zero RB is that Hero RB uh, is basically the ability to count to one and Modified Zero RB is an actual strategy. And I actually agree with them there too. Modified Zero RB actually has an article in history and research behind it as well and i probably should have mentioned it so my confession is that i feel no compulsion to actually draft um with that strategy in every draft as it were um in 2020 that's true for redraft it's true for best ball and it's true for dynasty i do find that wide receivers are falling to a significant value and well below expectation um for points per game based on where they're being drafted off the board especially since we're more accurate at wide receiver ranks and running back ranks as a rule when it comes to next year performance in that about four or five wide receivers inside the top 12 will actually not be top 12 wide receivers on average since 2014. About the same number of running backs don't finish inside the top 12 despite being ranked in the top 12 per ADP since 2014, but more running backs that do finish inside the top 12 come from outside the top 36 based on ADP, whereas wide receivers who finish inside the top 12, a decent proportion of them actually come ranked inside the top 24. In other words, running backs that break inside the top 12 come from nowhere more often than wide receivers we tend to be aware of wide receivers who could potentially break into the top 12 whereas running backs more often come from nowhere because of injuries and because running back is essentially an equal sign to volume and that can come from nowhere based on injuries team script or in fact a team decision and especially if that running back like a mike davis or a james robertson actually has the talent to carry the workload when the team decides to provide it so that doesn't mean that uh, i don't think zero rb is a viable strategy this year it just means that i'm not leaning on as heavily especially considering my expectation that points should come down in 2021 through the rushing and the receiving game but i'm worried about strong receiving regression because of all those changes to nfl rules and the like or the fact that defenses were just on the back foot and that could be the ultimate reason instead of a continuation of it next year we could actually see a strong regression in terms of more um offensive holding and wide receiver penalties being called and sacks ensuing on the quarterbacks because of it so just to break down the first three rounds it's not that i don't want to draft justin jefferson in dynasty he will be my wide receiver one that's recently i think gonna change in july adp but in june adp that's where he's ranked and that's that's honestly where I feel. I, I've seen no reason to be scared of him. 
But Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, and Saquon Barkley are one, two, and three, according to DLF ADP in June. And I agree. I like Davin Cook and Avon Kamara, which come shortly after them. But if either one of those three running backs are available, no matter where my pick is, no matter what kind of format it is, I'm very comfortable taking them with a first round pick because of all the reasons we want top 12 running backs, or in fact, top five running backs, which I think at least two of those definitely easy project to be. When we go into the second round, there is Stefan Diggs and Calvin Ridley, and strongly focusing both of those in any format possible. C.D. Lamb is ranked in the second round, which Cooper or... Uh, at DLF recently wrote an article about how that was an overvaluation and I agree except for the fact that I actually agree that CD Lamb could well be one of those second year breakouts and just explode in both value and production despite Amari Cooper and despite Michael Gallup it's a very tough road but also there's a very safe floor there because CD Lamb's already done really well in the NFL and he's not going anywhere and so his value should remain fairly stable for example we made a similar bet for DJ Moore last year where we elevated him into the third round which is still around lower than CD Lamb is right now, by the way. But after he failed to hit the top 12 and had another top 24 year, we dropped him to round four. We only dropped him by one round. Now, if CD Lamb doesn't hit inside the top 12 or be spectacularly impressive this year, we can really expect to use a round's worth of value, which for a wide receiver of CD Lamb's caliber probably won't mean much in the trade market. And since we're already drafting, I think CD Lamb's a fairly safe pick in the second round, despite being, as Cooper points out in DLF, an overvaluation for a second-year wide receiver with Amari Cooper on the depth chart. It's just that ADP can be shot sometimes. So I don't mind drafting, and I want all of those wide receivers. However, in the second round, we also have Najee Harris as a first-round running back, which is also a very common breakout year inside the top 12 for rookie running backs, going at the end of that round. Now, if I'm at the end of the round and Najee Harris is available, I'm very comfortable taking Najee Harris at the end of the, end of the second round. Because of that potential, even in Dynasty, for him to hold value, even be a top 12 running back. I think Najee Harris is a great first RB1 for this draft class, um, or for most draft classes, and I don't really have any fear of him. So the fact that we're pushing DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers up so high because of the second-year hype and their maybe potential to hit the top 12 as well means that uh, Najee Harris is falling to a value. Um, I don't think Cam Akers or DeAndre Swift or Antonio Gibson, who's being drafted above Najee Harris right now at the start of the second round, project to be Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey. And so I see similar range of outcomes for them and Najee Harris, and yet I can get them him at the end of the second round. Now, again, outside of that pick, I'm happy to take Calvin Ridley. I'm happy to take uh, Stefan Diggs. I'm happy to take uh, C.D. Lamb, especially in Dynasty overall so it's not like I'm not drafting those wide receivers but if Najee Harris is available and it's a choice between them and Najee Harris here's the other thing that I know because all wide receivers are being drafted at a value I can get a top 12 wide receiver in two rounds and Najee Harris has fallen or in my opinion has been drafted at a reasonable value at the end of the second round so this is what's happening to me round over round. If there's a top 12 running back, because my ranks are different than ADP's ranks, is the other thing not factored in here. And I think some running backs are falling despite this overvaluation of them. Again, w- despite continually drafting them higher and higher, we have got no more accurate at predicting the top 12 running backs. All we're doing is spending more draft capital to make those no more accurate bets and so I think it's kind of gotten to the point that over the last two years, it's it's entirely ridiculous. So I can get top 12 wide receivers and take my bets 
at top 12 running backs within the first few rounds. Again, Michael Thomas and uh, Terry McLaurin, who I think both project to be a reasonable expectation inside the top 12 in 2021, are going at the end of the third round, so they often fall into the fourth round, a clear round later based on the average position um, that wide receiver 11 and 12 are actually taken. So I can take top 12 running back bets. I think I'm sharper on than the market, and you will have your own sharper bets if it's not Najee Harris, and it's not uh, maybe Austin Eckler in that second round as well. And if you're not in on Saquon Barkley, who is the one that is falling in that first round outside of him, Christian McCaffrey, and Jonathan Taylor, then you can go a different direction. But because wide receiver ADP has been pushed down so far, you can almost make your running back bets and then start drafting zero RB. My confession is, despite all these wide receivers being a significant value, even when you re-rank them for what you actually think is going to happen in 2021, instead of just using ADP's and projection of who is a top 12 and who is a top 24 wide receiver, you can kind of do zero RB after you take your running back bets because that's how far down the draft board um, wide receivers are actually being pushed right now. Um, so will I draft some zero RB teams this year? Gu- guaranteed. It's a viable strategy. It is every year, and I think a significant fall on value, even in a dynasty mindset, um, with uh, CD Lamb being overprojected or overvalued in the second round, but it's an overvaluation I actually agree with, but also... I can get Michael Thomas, I can get Terry McClellan, you can get DJ Moore and Keenan Allen on all these wide receivers after three or four running backs. And if that's the way the draft falls, I'm very happy to take running backs over wide receiver this year, even in Dynasty and normally and even last year and when we were still overdrafting them, underdrafting them, but not to this extent, um, I are still more likely to win wide receiver round over round. So that's my confession. I'm not strictly a zero running back drafter this year um and i see no reason to i think that's it yeah i think that's it anyway thanks for checking out the dynasty crossroads this week i really appreciate it um if if you could check out the youtube video i guess um i just wave to you if if you do that that was specifically for you um anyway i really appreciate it thanks again and i'll talk to you again next week yeah chicken a crow chicken a crow crossing the road go clicking a poll twitter is gold player unfold so jake on the table and they on the place though pete enumerates the plays are analytical picking my nose don't really know if i like that picking their brains got different lanes but i like that picking these guys all of these times all of these nice stats Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders, you got that I, I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go, clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play unfold, so, Jake on the table and they on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays are analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays are analytical.